Hey, this is uh, is mental podcast. Uh, I think this is the last episode before Christmas. Today we have a team here. Uh, he is a, a German language comedian based in Berlin. And uh, um, once I run into him in a show, uh, as soon as I mentioned the, the mental health project I'm doing, he's super, super intrigued. Uh, so I'm inviting him on the show. Tim, do you want to introduce yourself a bit? Hi, sure. Well, I mean, first of all, thanks for inviting me. Um, yeah, I was really interested in the, the concept of the festival and also the podcast. Um, yeah, uh, I'm Tim. I've been living in Berlin for um, 10, 11 years now. Um, I studied German in the UK and then I went off to do, um, I guess I did accounting for three years and then I wasn't happy in the job. Um, and decided to do a complete U-turn in my career path mm-hmm. and go from accountant to um, kind of Berlin um, layabout uh, stand-up comedian. I did some opera singing uh, training and then I worked as an opera singer for a couple of years um, and I've been doing stand-up. I started out in English I did some sort of songwriting oh. stuff as well at the start of Berlin, and now I do comedy in German. And the goal was always to do comedy in German. Um, and then I, I guess I started doing that full time in, say, around like 2016, um, comedy in German. And then I added some music elements to it as well. So it all sort of came together with the music, the German, and the comedy. Um, and I've basically been doing that since, and as my sort of main thing, especially before. Covid, uh, and and now also I'm still doing it, but I'm, I'm doing a couple of things as well. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically my that's my kind of rough roadmap of what I've been doing with my life. There was a year in Hamburg as when I was an accountant, and a year in Göttingen when I was studying before as well. And so so careers wise, that's my that's my um, path. And then within that time, there's been a few periods where mental health has been more or less relevant a few a few downs as well as the the ups um over those years and also charting with my happiness and or success of doing those various things um tim you saw my face like i have a thousand questions sure well like whatever you want to ask first where are you from so originally i'm from uh liverpool so you are not German? I'm not German, no. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's cool because I yeah. almost introduced you as a German comedian. Ah, okay. So you went yeah, to, yeah. I said German language. Yeah. So what made you decide to pay money and spend three years uh, to study German? Um, a few things. My dad is a German teacher. That was one thing. Um, I love languages at school. I really got a kick out of speaking languages, uh, and I guess if I'm really honest, like I, I was on a year abroad, well, not a, like a abroad trip when I was sort of sixteen, seventeen, um, and then I met some cool people, and I met the girl, and then we started talking, and it was really cool just talking in a foreign language and flirting, and and it was like, yeah, it was a great motivation to get started um, learning a bit of German. So, was she um, German? She was German. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 that okay. makes sense because <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> yeah. sixteen, you yeah. you you had a good time with the Italian girl, and you decided <laughs> yeah, to speak. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. And um, 
you were trained to uh, for the German language. Mm. How come you end up being an accountant? Yeah, good question. So um, I think that's just how the UK system works: is you mm. study something or other. I mean, there's mm -hmm. people who studied like biology, pathology, various things. So mm. um, and then. Uh, became accountants. I mean, that's one our language teacher, uh, professor, said that it kind of depressed him the fact that people um, got all of this knowledge about German literature and the language and everything, all these skills, and then they just used that to become either lawyers or accountants. I think mm -hmm. all of our group either became lawyers or accountants, which is kind of a bit depressing, first of all, for, mm -hmm. for him. But um, it's just the way the system works. In, in Germany, you can't do that. You need uh, to study like business yeah. administration, yeah. and then you do business administration. Yeah. But in England, you can study something and then do something okay. different. Uh, then how can you just become an opera singer so so easily? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say I, I sing in opera choirs. I say opera singer. That sounds a bit sexier than mm. it actually is. I sing in the in the choir and the chorus uh -huh. um, for operas. And I did. Um, I, I started singing with a chamber choir like a small choir in Neukölln and, and, um, and the when you like were you musically trained growing up at all um I learned the piano from when I was like seven I did like 10 years of piano lessons and then I just played it for fun after that um, mm -hmm. and I always sang in choirs and a cappella groups so I did lots of singing and at university and things as well okay um, so you had a sort of singing, singing background I guess yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and then how how come you decided to do comedy? Um, I loved like Eddie Azard and Rich Hall and uh, Bill Hicks and all of these people like when I was growing up and listening to this just these people just talking it was just someone on the stage there was no props there were no lights there were no, it was just like spotlight microphone and the, the ideas especially Eddie Azard there's the ideas and positivity and creativity and all of these things and these worlds opening up and this sort of, or Monty Python as well, this sort of absurdity and things. And um, I loved that. And I thought, well, maybe there's a way to do that sort of thing for a German audience. And that's why I sort of thought like, oh, maybe, you know, my brain's a bit weird or I have these thoughts where it's maybe a bit creative or a bit different from how other people see the world. And maybe I can show people that in German and then give them an appreciation of sort of British or American comedy. And I think a lot of people had the same idea roughly the same time. Um, like the sort of German scene that started more around sort of 2014-15. Mm -hmm. um, people with sort of dual, mostly sort of dual culture backgrounds who would grow up listening to sort of Bill Burr or, or mm -hmm. all these people. Um, and then, um, yeah, this idea to sort of share that with the, the mainstream German audience. And the, why your goal was to do comedy in German? Um, I mean, because the language, it was always for me, it's like, I always found German was a like a I could be someone else. It's a bit like perfect data. So I thought I was someone else, someone good. You know, mm -hmm. I felt in in English and in you know in school I was never really happy. Or at university it was like it was quite a stressful time, and mm -hmm. with work as well. And I just found I had a lovely year in Göttingen where I didn't have to do very much other than teach English for eight hours a week, and the rest of the time was mine. And it was like a time of discovery, of making friendships, of just playing really, playing with the language as well and people kind of, that was my job for years just to learn German or learn sort of slang German or cool sort of like pub German, you know, and that mm -hmm. was really lovely, this sort of freedom and this, I wanted kind of to get that back from like my year abroad and I thought, well, that's basically my life would just be kind of collecting silly German phrases or, or just playing with the language but on a stage and I just thought that would be something for me. 
Um, and I just wanted to try it for a bit and see if it worked. And then eventually I, I kind of got up the, the courage to, to do it when I moved to Germany. Wow. Like um, people say uh, one person can live many lives. Mm. Uh, it's like you had many different uh, types of uh, career have you experienced. That's so cool. Yeah, it's, I've always just tried to sort of push it more towards um, something that comes naturally to me or something that I enjoy or something I get real pleasure from. So I do mm -hmm. some like language stuff as well. I've done like translating and proofreading and, and what mm. have you. And um, it's always, I try and do like jobs or work as things in the, in the order of what I love. So like mm. my passions, like singing and music mm -hmm. and comedy and the language and all those mm. things. And I thought, you know, we've only got so much time on this planet. So it's like, what do you want to do? And I, obviously I'm in the privileged position of, mm -hmm. um, you know, knowing the language and, and uh, you know, moving over here and not having responsibilities, not having like a family to mm. look after or to have to earn lots and lots of money and being able to be quite frugal. Um, and then, yeah, just supporting myself with other things and then doing the comedy as a hobby and then it growing into a, a situation where I can, I can live off it. Um, uh, how long took you to uh, like live on comedy? make a living oh like i mean for me it was like i guess it was when the like the proofreading work was was quite lucrative for a phase and then it just dropped off and there was no work mm -hmm. or they didn't they stopped emailing me or they didn't mm -hmm. have the volume of work and i thought mm -hmm. okay well instead of going more towards getting new clients with that i thought well why don't i just try and you know get on trains and book you know gigs and go to different towns and i guess that point was about 2016 17 mm -hmm. i just threw myself into it and i was doing like 20 or sometimes like 25 gigs a month and almost mm -hmm. like 100 euros here 50 euros there and mm -hmm. then I somehow made it work we just sort of mm -hmm. roughly kind of got by um and yeah I guess that started around sort of September 17 something like that wow that's like uh, properly just on just on the road sort of thing and that's why I, I just like I really really wanted to do it and then um that's when, when I sort of started doing wow. all of that but obviously some stresses along the way I mean if yeah. you're always on tour then it's like what are your, you know, where's your home and, and your, your sort of mental state as you're sort of going on all these different sort of tour life. Now I do mm -hmm. it in a more measured way. Or I do sort mm -hmm. of less gigs mm -hmm. and a few other things. And when you say on tour, do you do, mean do your solo show or uh, join other gigs? Yeah, it was a mix. I mean, so there's some mixed shows and there's some solos. And at the time as well, it was like, you know, hat shows at a bar or something that you did here and there. Or okay. I booked a tour, I think it was like 18, 2018. In the winter, I did more sort of dates in different places, mm. um, sort of solos, but most mostly sort of mixed shows or mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Yeah, sort wow. of mixture. And, and uh, what's your connection with uh, mental health? Uh, like, a, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a history with it. Um, I guess like growing up um, in the house, there was uh, there was a lot of love. There was a lot of I, you know, my, both my parents, lovely people, but they. I think they're quite anxious people. There's always kind of a background of anxiety. Uh, my dad actually had a, a, a breakdown in like the early 70s um, and was on medication for a long time, uh, some kind of Valium related things so for, his, for his kind of anxiety or um, I guess he was maybe bipolar as well. I don't know, he's never really diagnosed, but he was very sort of had manic phases and was very up and very, and then very sort of down or often sort of went to bed uh, early and after like he was a teacher and he mm. was a brilliant teacher and very very kind of yeah, um, he did a show you know for mm. his kids and he was like da -da -da -da, and mm. really enthusiastic and so that's mm. great 
but then he was really tired afterwards so it was kind of the ups and the downs mm -hmm. so I guess that was the environment that I was growing up in was was an environment that was like a black cloud around him a lot of the time mm -hmm. sort of depression so I guess it's like a history of mental health in the family um, my mum also quite quite anxious generally and, mm -hmm. and still is today um, and then for me I guess there were just a couple of people I've always been I mean it's the sort of when you feel that all the time there's like a or oftentimes there's like a Radiohead album playing in your head all the time, you know? <laughs> and it's just how many albums. Sometimes it's all 10 albums at once, and mm -hmm. it's like, oof, it's like a lot. And mm -hmm. sometimes it's just a bit of the bends, and sometimes it's a, you know, don't leave me high. And it's a bit mm -hmm. like, it's like melancholy. It's just sort of like a fairly constant slight melancholy, you know? There's, mm -hmm. there's a phrase in English, um, or sort of Irish phrase, I guess. Some people are born three pints ahead of the rest of us which is quite nice. So some people are kind of quite chirpy and cheery mm -hmm. from their nature. I guess I'm more on the level of just a, a slight kind of melancholy. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm okay with that. You know, I think a lot of creatives are like that. Um, but at some times in my life over the last, I guess, well, yeah, since university really, I mean, maybe it's, maybe at school was the first one, sort of 16, 17. Um, I was in it like a little bit of a dip, a bit melancholy. It was possibly to do with like school stress as well and puberty and everything. It's a horrific time for any teenager of any yeah. background, you know. Um, and then I, I guess in the second year of university, like a breakup hit me pretty hard. And also just living out and then out of college, like in a house with two slightly uh, strange people and a funny environment, really. Um, then that was my first kind of real dip. Mm -hmm. um, then with accounting I think in towards the end of it I realized I was really really unhappy I mean obviously mm. to go from the decision of hey I'm about to graduate as an accountant and mm. potentially could have earned a lot of money mm -hmm. to going whoa I want to move to Berlin and do stand-up comedy and does it, that sort of whole process that shows that I wasn't in a place where I was as happy where I was so you, you know? did another degree in accounting yeah, so, in account, so yeah while I was an accountant you do like exams and then you get a qualification uh -huh. for it, so, so why was, out of the job you do qualification uh -huh. You, you mean, uh, were you doing a study about accounting? or No, I was, I was working as an accountant, okay. but then you do exams uh -huh. parallel to the work. You do uh -huh. exams and then you qualify as an accountant. Uh -huh. But anyway, that wasn't really the point. Like the, so there, was, there were kind of different phases. where like There was sort of one where I was in school, one where I was at university, one where I was working as an accountant, where, uh -huh. where the sort of melancholy kind of dipped into something uh -huh. deeper. Uh -huh. I never really asked for help there. I did ring the Samaritans actually once when I was like, I really didn't see a way out when I was an accountant. Um, that was really tough, um, and then I was thinking, I guess, yeah, some sort of suicidal thoughts or that sort of thing, and um, and that was quite dark for a while. But it wasn't a long time because I could see that there was like an end in sight. With I was open with work. Work was brilliant actually. The company it was a big accounting company, and they but they listened and they they made changes. They put me on a study program in a sort of nice part of North Wales rather than in London. There was less stress around going to the exams and they were re they really looked after me and they basically said hey we want to support you through this we want you to get your qualification you know we wish you all the best for what you're doing afterwards um mm -hmm. for the, whatever projects you want to do mm -hmm. but we just want to get you to the finishing line for the six mm -hmm. months they were really great actually and they mm -hmm. helped me with with the mental health things mm -hmm. um and then i guess the last time was just like the last couple of years um maybe 19 uh, 2017 18 what was it 18 or 19, I think early, early 2019, I was in real, real dip. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the point where I told, I just happened to sort of blurt it out to my doctor. And she said, well, yeah, it does sound like you've got depression and 
it will be worth doing therapy. And then that's the time now where I was kind of in a bit of a, a, a real dip and then I started therapy. So I've been basically been in therapy for the last um, course of uh, uh, sort of talking therapy for the last two and a half years, mm-hmm. um, which has been great. It's been a real help just to sort of organize ideas and look at, look at patterns from earlier, uh, look how sort of things were there and it could sort of reflect on now and sort of just general sort of, you know, coping strategies and things and just t- talking around it, like every sort of firefighting everyday stuff and also kind of looking back as well at the same time. And that's been, that's been really helpful. Um, when you talk about melancholy, mm. uh, I don't understand it because I yeah. either be happy or depressed. Mm. So what melancholy feels like? It's like a sort of, it, it's intense and there's a sort of sweetness to it almost, but it's like, it's just a bit sort of sad or a bit kind of, like a light depression, but also mm-hmm. sadness. It's like a sort of seeing the world through a sort of filter where mm-hmm. you're just wandering around and you're just in slight, mm-hmm. like if you had a kind of low level, um, uh, uh, like sort of getting over an X or something, or uh-huh. like that sort of feeling of something, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, I mean. Do you cry? Um, not because of depression, actually. I mean, I, my father passed away two years ago, mm-hmm. and I've been quite teary since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more grief, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. Yeah. Um, so I, guess, I mean, I guess in terms of my mental health, there's like these periods of like slight, slightly mm-hmm. heavier depression. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a sort of low level anxiety about mm-hmm. different things, some social anxieties, some mm-hmm. sort of different things, and then there's the last couple of years there's grief. Um, mm-hmm. sort of come into, <laughs> into the mix mm-hmm. of, the, of the things to sort of um, actively kind of have around me in my, in my sort of state of being like in, in everyday life um, and sort of managing those and sort of seeing uh, how I am and, and things. I still don't understand what yeah. is melancholy. melancholy. Yeah. Um, I guess it's like, a, well, it's like what I said about the Radiohead album. It's like mm. you've got the Radiohead album playing in your head all the time. Um, as like you, a low level Do you listen thing. to them often? Um, I don't actually listen. I haven't listened to them for ages, actually. I've, I've listened before quite a lot. But I, I wonder yeah, if it's yeah. really you feel melancholy or you just listen to them You're too just listening to the wrong music, yeah. yeah, yeah if yeah, I was yeah. listening to rap music or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, um, yeah, and there was an element of that in... Because it's sort of, if you're listening to it, then it's bringing you down. But if mm. you're feeling down, then you're relating to the music and then mm. you feel it. And then mm. there, was a, there was a Henry Rollins spoken word thing about a sort of going to see a happy guy movie and we were all happy and he's like no fuck that I'm going to stay home and listen to my Black Sabbath records and Iron Man and, and stomp on my room and mm. really getting into sort of a manic kind of mm. depressive phase and sort of mm. getting pleasure from this sort of depression mm-hmm. and I guess you can get into that as well sometimes mm-hmm. when you're feeling really depressed that you yeah. it sort of feeds off you and you feed off it and it gets mm-hmm. into sort of a, a spiral but I've not I've not had that for a while but and uh, yeah. when you say this melancholy uh, yeah. feeling is it like constant 24-7 or is it like uh, sometimes like once a few hours per, per day or mm. uh, one day per week? How is it like? It can be sometimes it can be for a few days or sometimes it's for a few hours. Um, but it's just sort of, it's just so around really that you, mm. that you just, it's more of a like a filter. It's more like if you had like, if you were wearing glasses and they had mm. a slight tint, like a slight grey tilt to them. It's a bit like how the weather is in Berlin. You know how mm-hmm. the weather is in Berlin mm-hmm. in November or in yeah. January where everything's mm. a bit grey, mm-hmm. except that the world looks a bit grey like all the time or like 
on mm. certain days, like even mm -hmm. in summer or whatever, mm -hmm. you still have this sort of slight grey filter mm -hmm. to the world. I know that's like my way of explaining it. I don't know. Oh, it's, I, I, it's like a very light, it's like a light depression, I guess. It's not like a, like a, oh my God, I'm going to, you know, do something crazy. Or it's just like a, a constant kind of up and down into like mm -hmm. shallow water of, of do, like Do you depression. have physical symptoms? Um, like for the melancholy, if you yeah. describe it, yeah. like a... I mean, sometimes I feel like feel tired or sleepy, or uh -huh. would want to go to bed, like in the day. Um, sometimes you like a bit sort of achy or feeling a bit. It's not not really such a such a physical thing. So much. Sometimes I feel lethargic or feel, just feel, uh -huh. feel like not moving or feel, okay. not doing very much or not uh -huh. very. But it's more a, a case of like not being able to get as much done or okay. to be productive or to be creative or just being in a kind of very sort of state where you just want to be under, like have, have a duvet day, you know, uh -huh. you sort of st stay in bed and, and don't really do anything. I think it, it yeah. is what mm. I've been experiencing. I call it breakdown. Mm. It's like um, just for example, this afternoon I feel a little bit down and mm. I just kind of feel tearful, but I'm not crying mm. and uh, I just suddenly don't want to um, take too much responsibility and uh, mm. sometimes when this happens like it can be like three days or five days I just I am not suicidal but I mm. just don't feel happy and it mm. kind of sounds like what yeah, I call so, breakdown yeah, yeah. and and uh, with the depression uh, like uh, your mm. first diagnosis was like 2019 yeah uh, yeah. Did you have some trigger for it? Um, I'm not really sure. Um, no, it's too. Sorry, it was it was early 2018. Wow, it's uh -huh. that long. I didn't realize it's been that long. Why? Then yeah. you are the you were the same time. I was mm. like a suicidal yeah. early 2018. It was a very cold winter. I remember like mm. a very cold, okay. very dark, and it was snowing. Yeah. 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 Was that around the time you started with stand-up or was that yeah. before then? Or, oh. uh, a little bit before I do yeah. stand-up, uh, mm. I started to do stand-up like after I got out a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I guess it's that feeling of not, not wanting or being able to do anything really. Mm -hmm. or just wanting to just sort of crawl inside yourself and just mm. be kind of still for a bit or mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, there's that, there's that sort of feeling sometimes. But um, yeah. And sometimes you just have to sort of accept it and sit mm -hmm. it out. And sometimes you can kind of G yourself up or go for a walk mm -hmm. or meet someone yeah. or, or I'd like be in yeah. bed at like three and then I go out and then oh. do, do the things. It'd be like a, like the rhythm of the day is like slightly uh, pushed back. Simply. In 2018, did mm. anything specific happen in your life? I can't think of anything in particular that, that um, sort of trigger it. Per se, I mean, I was I'd been on the road for six months, and as I said, there was a mm -hmm. lot of pressures with that, and a mm -hmm. lot of uh, I was probably just exhausted as well from that a bit because um, it was it was a lot, you know, being away for sort of mm -hmm. twenty or twenty five days in a month, or just oh. having like one day every now and again oh. at home, and then back out, and that's because you're sort of running through yourself a bit mm -hmm. as well. With that, <laughs> I I know. think I'd be mm -hmm. depressed after two weeks, uh, yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's enough <laughs> sort of uh, railway station sandwiches that you can have mm -hmm. without. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, what made you uh, decide to seek help this help this time? Um, I think I just realized that like I didn't want to feel like the way I was feeling and I didn't know what it was to whether a course of um, uh, therapy or a course of 
um, antidepressants or something or what it would be that would help me. But I, I realized I needed help outside of myself and outside of what I was mm. doing. Um, and I kind of also regretted it. I guess the, the times before now where I didn't seek help. So with the, I mean, with accounting, like a little bit in, in work, but not, not from like medical professionals. Um, and then I realized like, yeah, there's just some stuff where it's a bit like when you have a house and then you know that there's something with the foundations where there's this crack that appears and you're like, oh, it's okay. I'll be all right. It'll be, it'll be okay. And then after 10 years, you, you think like, or I realized like if I was like 60 and I was feeling, still feeling like this, then I'd feel like, well, why hadn't I dealt with it before? You know, mm -hmm. and I figured it was just the right time mm -hmm. to, I had the time and I had the, um, resources and I felt like this was this is the time to deal with it you know mm -hmm. it was like this this is the time to do this um, mm. did you always know that you have mental health issues uh, or it's something like an epiphany for you um, I, I think I guess because my dad's uh, mental health was such a part of my childhood it's something that I definitely talked to my mom about um, but it was I always had an awareness of, of depression or I realized that that's mm. not the sort of uh, standard kind of mm. way of mm -hmm. being I guess mm. how like he was or how we were kind of the house was growing up mm. that there was sort of a bit of a black cloud around us mm. um, so I guess it wasn't a shock really that I was depressed anyway but it, but it was just this oh I should say as well um, I should say thanks to Shahak actually he did a series and part of that was he had he recorded five episodes of him publishing his um, or, or showing his videos of his therapy sessions. Wow! Um, which was intense decision. I mean, mm. amazing. And I did, although I didn't watch the actual episode so much. Well, I sort of dipped into it a little bit um, for like a couple of minutes. I think it was just this idea of it being demystified and destigmatized mm. that really, really helped me. Mm -hmm. And I thought, like, well, if someone who I, you know, I met Shahak end of two thousand seventeen at mm. Nightwash. Um, at a, at a, a, a German comedy gig, mm -hmm. and he always seemed like fairly, yeah, he was doing his thing, and he had his TV series. I was like, well, look, if he can be, you know, depressed, or he can go to therapy, and then show that, I'm like, then of course I can, you know, seek mm -hmm. out therapy. And it's like, it, there's this feeling of, um, you know, oh, it's it's not a bother, it's not that bad, or it's like, mm. and it made me realize, like, no, come on. Just, just do it, you know. Mm -hmm. Before that, there was an element of, I guess, of shame around mm -hmm. therapy, maybe of guilt as well, like towards my parents or towards like, you know, this whole sort of, oh, you know, straight white man and mm -hmm. you know all privileges and check your privilege. And then <laughs> on the other side, you're like, I feel really shit, but like, ah, oh, maybe I'm, you know, and saying like, no, come on, it's like, it's like a friend of mine says, a very good friend of mine says, like, um, uh, the first rule of trauma club is don't compare your traumas, you mm -hmm. know. Like Neil Young would say in his lyrics, said like, although my problems are meaningless, it doesn't make them go away. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, yeah, there, there's an element to that. And I thought, yeah, come on, um, if Shahak's doing it, and then putting it on TV, then I can I can tell my doctor. And it was really, it was a lot to sort of, it seems ridiculous to say it now, because it seems like such the most natural thing, you know, and so many people talk about mental health and, you know, your podcast as well. Mm -hmm. It's great to sort of demystify it, destigmatize it. Well, people get into it so, but the, the idea of actually going along was such a huge like uh, what do you say in, in German say Überwindung I had to sort of overcome this feeling mm -hmm. of like oh I can uh, alright I'm going to I'm going to say it I'm going to say it and then uh, you know just saying mm -hmm. it and then the, the reaction of the doctor mm -hmm. saying like yeah it sounds like I would support you in this decision do it mm -hmm. I thought because I heard so many people they go to a German doctor and they're like oh Johannes Kraut and 
take this herb and then wave it around your bedroom and then, mm -hmm. you know, uh, go for a walk. And it, mm -hmm. it's like not taking you seriously. So the fact that yeah. the doctor actually took me mm -hmm. seriously as mm -hmm. well. That was the two things really, Shahakan and the doctor taking me seriously. That was mm -hmm. the thing that, that gave me that spurt to actually, to actually do it and do the ringing rounds and do the, wow. do the work. Yeah. Which Shahak are you talking about? Uh, Shahak Shapiro. Uh, you know, from the comedy scene. Yeah, I know yeah. him. Yeah. So, uh, shout out to Shahak. Yeah. We are done. The reason why uh, I, I do. Um, and I've never told him that. And yeah. I reckon every time I've, we just meet up, we, I just see him if it's just at an open mic and it's not like something you can just say to someone in the, yeah. in the middle of an open mic. Like, by the way, thanks for, you know, you're the reason why I'm doing, th or one of the big reasons why I'm doing therapy. Wow. You know, so, so there is a... A uh, money podcast exclusive revelation. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. I almost kind of, uh, picturing uh, you two having anal sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, like your dogs do. <laughs> First thing you said to me, yeah, these are my dogs. They like to fuck fuck each other. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, I invited uh, Shahak to the podcast. Uh, he he refused me. Maybe I can oh, okay. try again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now we have this shout out. Mm. Wow, that's uh, that's beautiful. And uh, uh, did you take a medication ever? Um, I didn't actually. No, no, mm -hmm. I've never had um, never had medications. I mean, I had a time about I think six months ago this year when I I did I felt like a bit low again, and I think I managed to largely take myself out of it, or it's just sort of it, I've sort of drifted back up. I imagine it like like a kind of cross section of like a river where you see like there's like shallower water mm -hmm. and then the deeper water. And then sometimes the depression is like the shallow mm -hmm. water is this melancholy that I was talking mm -hmm. about. And sometimes it's really deep and then you're mm -hmm. right at the bottom. Um, and I managed to sort of get a bit back up to sort of swim back up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And But I, I did feel this year that maybe it was the time to start sort of looking into kind of um, uh, medication. And I wouldn't rule it out in the future mm -hmm. if, if I needed it. But uh, for now I'm, I'm happy to, to not have it as much. Well, what type of therapy uh, were you doing? Um, like a talking therapy. Uh, like a, it's like a psychoanalysis or? Uh, yeah, yeah, a bit, a bit of that, a bit mm -hmm. of sort of deep mm. psychotherapy and a bit of sort of um, talking therapy and a bit of like this sort of thing happened in childhood and this mm -hmm. is this is a sort of a bit of a mix of, of mm. different things, yeah. Okay, okay. Did you yeah. do it in English or German? Um, I do it in German actually. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I do it in German, but I, I mean, she says like if I want to talk about things in English, then I can do. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes I'll end up talking in English a little bit, and we did mm -hmm. that as an experiment sometimes, mm -hmm. talking a bit in English, or I would talk in English and she talk in German. But it's all been it's all been in German actually. I, w I wonder how it would if it would have been different if I would have been mm -hmm. doing it in English. Mm -hmm. That's quite interesting as well. How often do you uh, do the therapy? Um, so for a phase, it was like once a month, once every two, generally once in two weeks. Uh, for a phase, we went to like once every week, but she's got a lot of uh, patients, a lot of people, um, so we're doing more like once every two weeks. But mm -hmm. that fitted well with my tour rhythm as well, because I wasn't mm -hmm. really around enough for mm -hmm. like once every week. I, mm -hmm. I don't think I could have fitted in, but like yeah, once every once every two weeks is really good. Mm -hmm. uh, after how how many sessions uh, did you start to fear the effect? Um, I mean, I guess for the, what things are, like the whole process, I think it takes up like a long time to sort of get it, get into it. I feel like just now, actually this, just this week, actually, just this session, like two, two days ago, there was a real like eureka, or like it seems to be sort of pulling together the strands a little bit and it's like, okay, that makes sense. Um, but I think initially it was just sort of the feeling of like, hey, 
there's a support or there's another way of looking things and mm -hmm. like almost immediately um i felt like better about myself or, or like there was more of a like an extra control it's like if you have a plug and there's a fuse mm -hmm. and then if the fuse goes then it's like a warning thing or i felt like there was an extra kind of layer of security i guess with with having the therapy um so immediately it felt it felt good mm -hmm. to to do it um but i think the effects maybe after a few months was was it felt it felt like i was more, just a bit more re regulated really. mm -hmm. uh and uh, uh during the process of therapy did you discover something about yourself like why were you depressed um, yeah, lots of lots of things. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, it's a, it's sort of a bit parallel to you know what we do as comedians. You know, we mm -hmm. mine ourselves and our view of the world and other people, informed by our views of like how we were growing up or what our family people were like, members were like, or what what we are like. And I mean, I find for me, it's a sort of self discovery thing. Stand up. So, I think therapy is like a kind of in parallel to that. It's the same sort of process that I've been doing with stand up. Mm -hmm. of like looking into myself and saying okay well what, what am I like and, and and obviously with stand up the goal is then to clown that or to to show that to people on a stage or mm -hmm. um, to, to show something of yourself but with, with therapy the goal is I guess to have those insights and then to have it inform like your decisions and your everyday life and, and realize when you're doing things or what what certain or if there's some triggers or some some sort of situations or that, that remind you of other things and the reason you can put a name to it or you mm. can you can kind of piece it together mm -hmm. I think that's that's really helpful uh, did your therapist uh, recommend you to read any books um, no there's no like reading with it mm -hmm. really no um, and I mean she, she's very good she like also like shies away from like terms so things mm -hmm. like where you, if you look on Instagram everything's toxic or everything's this or She's like, says, well, I mean, sort of shying away from putting labels and terms on things, mm -hmm. um, more talking about sort of feelings or mm -hmm. um, rather than putting a label, because once you have like a label on things, then mm -hmm. um, it's, it's difficult. You see yourself as such or you, other mm -hmm. people as such or and it's, it's sort of difficult. And it's, it's using these words where maybe it's maybe it's too heightened or it's too intense or extreme, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the way that she does it's quite sort of subtle. And that's I've, I've enjoyed that. Certainly yeah, that, that way of thinking has been very helpful uh, during uh, the, the journey did, did you have some I guess I had one, one sort of epiphany when it was actually a drug experience as so I was in Leverkusen and I just played my solo show to 180 people mm -hmm. which is a, a, at the time my, my biggest solo show in 2018 and I was on a totally on a high and then the next day I went to like a football match with a couple of the people from the show. And then one of the guys was like, hey, do you want some cake? And I was like, yeah, sure. And he was like, ah, but there's, and I was like, oh, right, that sort of cake, okay. So I, I had a bit. And then, I, so I, I had a bit of this, uh, this cake and then obviously there was, there was weed in it or something in it. I don't know if it was just weed, maybe it was mushrooms or something else. Because- um, You didn't ask? I, well, I kind of was like, ah, right, yeah, there's, and it was like, he was like, yeah, there's weed in it. I was like, okay. Um, so I was like, okay, why not? And it was like that sort of, Ah, why not? You know, you're on a you're on a high from the from the the gig, and then you 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 know, you sort of chasing that feeling, I guess. And then I was in the stadium when I came up, and then I was just like super 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 high. Mm -hmm. Um, and actually, like I even went to um hospital because I didn't trust any of the people around me. I was super super paranoid. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And then I went to the up to a police person. I was like, hey, Fuck. so this is the situation. I'm not physically capable of ringing the number for the 
so this was anyway but long story short the next day when i was in in bed at the accommodation where i was staying for the gig he just had me for another an extra night and i stayed there mm-hmm. um and then they, they got me home because like one of the guys from the team from the venue was actually a, a Krankenpfleger was a was a, a male nurse uh-huh. and um, he knew the, the place where it was and then uh-huh. he picked me up and then took me uh-huh. to the accommodation and then I guess I was writing a lot of stuff in this kind of I don't know what it was where it could have been it could apparently it could it could have been just weed I thought maybe it was LSD or mushrooms or something because it seemed stronger than anything that I had before uh-huh. from weed but apparently you can have that reaction from uh-huh. your stomach and for uh-huh. me um, like I wrote all this stuff on my phone and for me it wasn't it wasn't the drug it was my anxiety about the drug that Uh was causing all of these like Uh mad thoughts and things and that's when I realized that for me um like managing my anxiety or managing my uh sort of worry and panic signals Uh and things is really part of it for me like in Uh in everyday life as well not just when I'm in this situation when I was super high and mm-hmm. was not being able to deal with it. So that was, I guess if you talk about epiphanies, then that was like one where I thought, okay, well, yeah, this sort of anxiety, this, this is a, this is an important message for myself. That, but mm-hmm. I guess with, with therapy, I mean, I guess there's some, yeah, I mean, there's epiphanies all the time where there's things where it's like linking things from before to, uh, or from a childhood or whatever, from, um, to, things now and realizing okay when certain patterns are, are mm-hmm. happening and things and those are those are like epiphanies i guess and it's mm-hmm. things where like often you, you can realize things for yourself mm-hmm. and then but then sometimes with through the the um the therapy process then there's been kind of um yeah i guess epiphanies yeah wow um i i i recommend a book mm. called the lost connections by johan harry uh, he, oh, yeah. he's a British author. Um, uh, like a, a journalist, was he? Yeah, Jordan you Harry? know him? Yeah, I used to read him. Um, he was in The Independent and wrote some brilliant articles. Mm-hmm. And then he um, Had was actually some... caught um, yeah. fabricating yeah. stories and information and things. And then he had a bit of a breakdown and yeah. then he had to sort of examine himself. And I think in the process of that, he did some sort of self-work and mental mm-hmm. health and what, what would drive him to do that. Mm-hmm. And then... And then wrote this book, right? Yeah. Um, this is book that roughly is, what it was about, or is it? This um, book is really, really mm. amazing. Mm. Like I read lots of books about mental health. Mm. I think this is the one happened to me the most. Okay. And uh, most of the projects I'm doing now is inspired by the book. Cool. So uh, I mean, he, his writing was brilliant. Obviously, I mean, the, the things mm. that he wrote in the mm. paper at the time were mm. sometimes fabricated, but his writing style mm. was wonderful. So mm. I can believe that it was a good book and. I think it's really cool then that he's that he's found a way to sort of help people or found a way yeah. to for it to use his writing style yeah. for good rather than just like mm. the, the sort of fake news stories that yeah. he was writing. Um, yeah, he, that's yeah. great. That's wonderful. Uh, his book mentioned that uh, uh, he found out he say, uh, why he searched for the reason why our society is less happy. Mm. Um, he he found he thinks uh, they are like a. a they are all due to some sort of lost connections, like uh, lost connections with uh, our our physical body, with meaningful values, mm. with spiritual life, with meaningful work, uh, with uh, like um, uh, like a uh, uh, stable or uh, uh, relationships, uh, and things, yeah. yeah, relationships mm. and the future. Mm. Um, 
And uh, yeah, he, he says like uh, uh, anxiety and uh, depression actually it's the same disease. Mm. Like it's it's same song played by different cover band. That's nice. That's a really uh, nice image. Like uh, it, it's uh, like uh, uh, to differi differentiate anxiety and depression is uh, not realistic mm. uh, because uh, anyone who's depressed they more or less is anxious in in some way. Mm. Uh, it's just the way they show is uh, the mm. intensity is different, mm. and uh, I I think it's really true. Yeah, interesting. Mm -hmm. I, I think anxious is a more fast pace of depression mm. uh, and uh, um, depression is like a lack of energy. Mm. Anxious, uh, an anxiety is too much energy. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah I, I really recommend you to check it out. He also talked about the history of antidepressant. Mm. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's interesting to, to have the uh, a read on it before decide to do uh, antidepressant. Mm. I'm not against it. No, yeah. no, no. Uh, I, I, uh, antidepressant really helped me when I was suicidal. Like, uh, uh, lots of people told me I shouldn't do do antidepressant. Uh, it's uh, it's a mental disease. I should uh, approach it uh, in the mental way. Mm. Um, uh, but at one point, I'm like. I'm dying. I think yeah. I, 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 I might kill myself tomorrow. Mm. What do I have to lose? Like, mm. really, fuck it. Even mm. heroin, giving me a yeah. try. But it's like taking away the knives. It's like <laughs> taking the, you know, it's <laughs> like giving yourself an extra layer of protection, I guess, yeah. isn't it? In that, or your I, brain, uh, like, a, you can't go beyond mm. a certain point of depression. You know, mm -hmm. it's like giving yourself a life raft, I guess, yeah. in like, like water, river yeah. sort of images. It's, right, right. Mm. I, I did, uh, took it like in two weeks, like, uh, uh, the, the ability to feel happy came back. Mm, it's yeah. like uh, before that, like for, for maybe six months, I just, no matter what happened, I couldn't feel happy at all. Like mm. uh, it's, it's like if happiness uh, can show in the format of a boner, I just couldn't get it harder <laughs> for, for six you, you months. You couldn't get it up for yeah. six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, okay, that's it. Like I, yeah. I, I, I wasn't able to get it up uh, for mm. the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it, 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 it's good, like uh, I have an analogy. I think antidepressant is, is like uh, when your car have like a, 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 like a, a breakdown mm. uh, and uh, you, you need uh, uh, people to push it a little bit mm. and give it a quick fix. Yeah. Uh, but eventually you need to go to the workshop to fix mm. it. Yeah, sure. And uh, nice. I think antidepressant is like the quick fix to survive you to get to the workshop mm. to do the hard work. Yeah, I guess mm. it's both, isn't it? It's like treating the root of the problem, but also mm. having something to sort of patch it over for, for and some people need that extra yeah. um, uh, sort of fix, as you uh -huh. say. Yeah. Uh, they just need, a, just need a push to get the, uh -huh. get the car started. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, with, uh, with the journey of uh, um, uh, treating your mental health, uh, did you learn some tools along the way? Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think looking at um, just sort of stepping outside of where I am and and looking at how I'm doing, I guess you get, you're just sort of, sort of checking in with yourself a bit, uh, talking to people, mm. you know, sharing, not sort of keeping it bottled up. Um, but I think there's, yeah, I mean, it's obviously there's constantly, there's there's new challenges and new things. Obviously, the pandemic hits and you're just like, wow, okay. It's like you're playing the video game that we've been playing of mm -hmm. 
Berlin or whatever is like playing a video game of life on an easy setting in some mm. ways it's like yeah yeah you can hang out and do lots of different things and, mm. um, and then like the pandemic comes and then it goes off to like a like a mayhem difficulty level mm-hmm. um, like really super hard and, and I guess that's a time when you know mental health is really um, challenged and you've got to find mm. new coping mechanisms or new mm-hmm. ways to um, either avoid uh, being anxious or taking yourself out of situations where anxiety or depression mm. could hurt could occur or being more comfortable with, hey, well, I'm just going to take an extra hour. I'm going to mm. sleep in today. And then it doesn't matter if I get up at 12 or if I get up at 10. Um, it's fine. I can mm-hmm. you know, get up later and then start my day later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so fi- finding those ways you know, of, of, of being a bit kind to yourself and, and um, getting through things. Uh, after you start to do therapy, um, do you feel more comfortable to talk about your mental health? Definitely, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, it has you begin to use it on on stage or in other creative projects? Um, I think I've talked about, mm. Mm, interesting, I don't think I've really talked about depression so much on stage. Um, like, a li- like a little bit, but it's, it's a difficult thing to, to make funny or to, <laughs> to sort of get it into a kind of jokey jokey space I think it's, an, it's another it's another challenge you know talking about this sort of thing yeah. I, I admire people who do uh, talk about depression in their in their routines you know there's a couple of German comics who do it very well um, as well as English ones obviously um, yeah but it's something that it's something I definitely want to talk about um, but more I mean I guess I'm uh, the main topic that I want to address in comedy is, is grief I guess which mm-hmm. is also sort of linked to I kind of feeling down or feeling low, but it's mm-hmm. it's a sort of it's very. Di- I mean, I heard that grief is love without a place to put it. Mm-hmm. It's like because the person that you want to show love to is, is not there anymore, you know. Yeah. Um, and that in itself is, is shows that there's sort of love or joy is at the the root of it. Um, but that's an oversimplification as well, and it's I don't know. It's ways to. I'm I'm still sort of working through that at the moment, and that's something that I want to turn into a, a stage show, mostly about my dad, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and stuff about like father-son relationship, stuff about you know dads in general, you know mm. my dad, and also like I guess his uh, uh, the last chapter of his life and his death and mm-hmm. all these things, and turning it into a, like a one-hour show. And element I can have like elements because he, I mean, he was uh, depressed, so there can be elements of that in it as well. I think it's something it's wow. a theme that I'd want to bring into into comedy. This sounds like a very cool project. Yeah. Yeah. See, if it's got it's quite funny. That's the main thing. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to it to really getting into it. Yeah. Wow. Um, and uh, grief, like uh, uh, after your uh, dad was gone, mm. um, did you feel like uh, depressed, or was it uh, just? melancholy again mm. yeah i guess it's a sentimental feelings and melancholic feelings definitely mm-hmm. a lot as well mm-hmm. um and i guess it, it sort of went hand in hand i think with depression i think while i was feeling the, the grief then i guess depression sort of snuck back in as well it was like leaving a door open mm-hmm. for like for feelings and for for mm-hmm. sort of sad feelings and then with those kind of sad feelings of grief came also feelings of depression so i guess mm-hmm. it's it's something where I, I didn't want to fight, I didn't want to sort of stuff it down, you know, the feelings of, mm-hmm. you know, remembering him or mm-hmm. f- 
feeling you know grief or working through that mm -hmm. um, but I realized that when I was doing that it was like opening a door to depression coming back so that I think that was really the thing that got me this year I think got me back down into was the mixture of sort of depression and, and, and grief um, so yeah that's it was, it was tough but I, I would rather feel it and have a space for it and a space mm -hmm. for thoughts about him in my life Mm -hmm. um, than stuff it down or not feel it and then be happier. You know, I'd rather be uh, more melancholic or um, sad, you know, uh, or depressed, um, but also have have him around in my thoughts and and process that and and, and feel what it is to to feel that feel that absence, mm -hmm. um, but also feel that love or feel that um, appreciation for all the things yeah. that he that he did. You know, he mm -hmm. had a great love of music. He had a great mm -hmm. love of the German language. Mm -hmm. um, other things as well, steam trains and <laughs> sort of bad <laughs> stuff that, you know, also the things that I love. But um, I keep watching this, this the, the, you know, the really happy train spotting guy that goes around on, on social media, does little videos and he sees trains. He's like, oh, this is train. It's so exciting. And watching that, I was like, yeah, that was me as a kid. So oh. it's funny. But, and that was because of my dad, you know. So there's there's lots of it's all sort of positive things you know a love for for literature you know he showed me Rilke poems and beautiful poems and he taught me you know parts of my German because of him um, all of this music that I love really good music like classical music and mm -hmm. and sort of classic you know the Rolling Stones and the Kinks and all these mm -hmm. old bands and things mm -hmm. all this music that I, that I still love he's, he sort of showed me lots of things and I love them because of him so I, I don't want to sort of not listen to that beautiful music or yeah. not read that beautiful poetry or not yeah. think of him or have him in my life but I, I realize while I'm doing that there's a there's an element of you can sort of sink into like mm -hmm. a sentimental mm -hmm. uh, feeling and then a sadness and then a melancholy and then it goes down into depression it's, and that's, that's it's a danger you know that you can get too kind of in a sort of slurpy sludgy sort of mm -hmm. feeling that's that's you can't bathe in that feeling all the time you need to sort of function as a, as a you know, human being, you can't just always be there, sort of sat in your room listening to records and thinking about you, your dad not being there. Mm -hmm. But but it's nice to do it a bit and to to. I think I I found the balance now more because I've I've allowed that to be around mm -hmm. or to me to have that time to do that. Mm -hmm. Now I feel like I'm I'm in a better place with it. It it's beautiful because the pain you are feeling right now, the source is love. Yeah, mm. absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And I I I. I'm so looking forward to to a show about it. I won't yeah. understand it. <laughs> but I'd do it in English as well. I'd probably uh, do it in English and yeah. then in German. I'm not sure. Maybe in many ways it makes sense to write it in English first because that's probably more a language language where I can talk about these things. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Wow, this sounds really really a cool project. Yeah. Like uh, my uh, my solo show or mm. Child from Wuhan, it's uh, a it's also a very um, dark project, let's mm. say. Like uh, uh, originally, I was planning to write a stand-up comedy solo show, mm. uh, and then it become like a combination between stand-up and the storytelling. Mm. Then eventually, it become like a like a theater play and mm. the storytelling. So it's uh, okay. like uh, quite dark, um, mm. but there's uh, uh, like beauty in it mm. and uh, then there's a, a personal breakthrough mm. um, I think writing it uh, it's a very interesting uh, process um, and I, I, I really believe that uh, for me for me I um, 
comedy for me is really a way to deal with trauma mm. uh, and to process my feelings and mm. to uh, re resolve lots of shame. Mm. Uh, and uh, so I, I really want to deliver those message. But on the other hand, the, the, uh, the drawback is that every time when you uh, work on it, it's uh, revisiting the trauma. Yeah, of course. And uh, mm. I, I did the first show last, uh, actually Sunday, and this whole week I feel a little bit depressed. Mm. Yeah. And then next Friday I'm going to do it again, so yeah. I, next week I am going to leave it again, so it's... Uh, yeah. okay. But I, I hope eventually it will be a little bit funnier than, than right now. Mm. Uh, but mm. I, I think it's, it's really amazing project and I, I think um, as artists, uh, as writers, um, we really have the responsibilities to, mm. to share. Because for example, if Shahak didn't uh, mm. share his um, challenges, then probably you wouldn't get inspired and mm. to get it on helped. this journey. I mean, it wasn't yeah. the, the only thing, but it yeah. certainly like it yeah. helped me. It gave me a little push when I yeah. needed it, I think, yeah. you know. So mm. uh, I think uh, we, we have the responsibility mm. to uh, spread the words more. Mm. Mm. If we're comfortable doing it, I mean, yeah. if you found that you were doing yeah. this show and yeah. the show went well or uh -huh. you got a good response, but yeah. you felt horrific because of it or afterwards, <laughs> it turned you into like a, <laughs> sort of downward spiral of sort of suicide <laughs> thing, then it's probably not worth doing the show I mean, on the balance it's like yeah. your own self-preservation yeah. you know yeah, and yeah, what yeah, you tell yeah. and yeah. how you do it do you know what i mean there's a balance mm. there as well of like how yeah. much we're comfortable talking because i mean yeah. some people are like like tracy emin in her mm. art is always talking about grief or love or loss mm -hmm. or heartbreak or all these things and it's like sort of ripping her heart out and then smearing it on the canvas when mm -hmm. she's like writing yeah. when she's doing paintings amazing incredible artist i mean a lot of people sort of write her off but partly because she's a woman partly because she's sort of, it was a bit mouthy or was a bit like opinionated in the 90s or, or mm. always working class as well, going into sort of high art and things. Mm. But I think she's one of the best artists around and the most important artists of the, mm. the 20th century, sort of late 20th century and, and, you know, turn of the century. Um, but yeah, just, just this sort of, I mean, some people, that's their decision to put all of themselves in yeah. their art. And yeah. Tracy Emin is so uncompromising mm. with that. You see it with the artists in stand-ups in Berlin, like Erica Radcliffe, puts everything that she's feeling mm. and doing into a stand-up, mm. and that's wonderful, you know. Mm -hmm. um, sorry, what, what was uh, Tracy Emin? Yeah. Yeah, uh, so she did this, I mean, I guess her most famous work was My Bed, mm. which was just her unmade bed mm -hmm. that she put in an art gallery with mm -hmm. all of the sort of, condom wrappers and mm. tissues and, and toothbrush and mm. crisp packets or, or whatever, everything around. Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing that would rot or nothing would be like disgusting, but, mm. um, or super disgusting. But <laughs> there was sort of all these sort of things around the, the bed. And then she exhibited that in the, in the 90s. And it was one of the kind of, like with Damien Hirst, this other artist who like put a shark in formaldehyde or stuff. There's these mm. famous, like big, statements of the works mm. in the late 90s and that was mm. when i guess what she got famous through mm -hmm. um but then also and she did some sort of tv things as well mm -hmm. but she's a painter as well and, and draws and does um beautiful like work where it's just her handwriting in neon in really mm. big letters and mm -hmm. this sort of thing and these very heartfelt mm -hmm. messages mm -hmm. that she really feels you know mm. and then in, in neon in sort of public places one at st pancras with like mm. i want my time with you 
and it's also St Pancras is the terminus towards the, the EU, so I want my time with the EU. It's a bit yeah. like of a Brexit statement as well, mm. a play on words. But it's all this this romantic thing of I want my time with you. It's this longing I want I want to be and the you know you love actually and you have people meeting in couples and saying goodbye mm. and hello at, mm. at airports um, mm. and and stations and this sort of people mm. moving in and out and things. And it's, but it's her sentiment, it's her words that have mm. the, and this sort of huge pink letters over the station. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful artwork, mm-hmm. real warmth from it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like all born from her from her feeling and from mm-hmm. as. And it's just incredible, you know, that she puts so much of herself emotionally into it, into her mm-hmm. art. Um, and yeah, anyway, so it's yeah, one of my favorite artists. Definitely. Wow. So um, um, now in daily life, uh, do you feel comfortable to uh, share your feelings and emotions with people around you? Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I had some trepidation actually coming here and talking about things, especially in terms of my family or like if my mum would listen or... Or, or would worry, or um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's, there's definitely some sort of anxieties, or some sort of feeling of like holding things back, but mm. um, less so. Definitely, I think I'm I'm more happy to to share things mm-hmm. now. Um, and with comedy, really, the only reason why I'm not doing it so much is, I guess, just turning it into a finally the funny, finally what's the funny angle mm-hmm. of depression? Because you start talking about it, especially in German. There's not so much of an appreciation of mental health. I mean, <laughs> the, the word mental health is like mental. I wouldn't even know off the bat, like what all the like immediately what all the terms are in German mm-hmm. for mental health. Although I do, you know, therapy in German. Um, I think there's just a different sensibility or sensitivity around mm-hmm. it in, in English, which is a which is a good thing. Well, uh, I have a I had a question, and uh, now it's gone. So, uh, let me... Feelings of, of things about mental health in German and, and on the stage. Do I have... Was I, um, what was the last thing you asked? Like, do, I, do I have any uh, yeah. reservations about sharing mental yeah. health things? Yeah. Um. And, uh, and uh, in, uh, in daily life, like uh, mm. um, with people around you, like uh, uh, are you able to talk about them, how you feel? Mm. Um, yeah, definitely with friends definitely um, with people I know a bit better there's actually sometimes there's some people who they were more like colleagues and then you sort yeah. of bit by bit step by step you kind of open up a little bit and you talk mm. about some things especially around parents mm-hmm. and about uh, or maybe traumatic experiences growing up mm-hmm. or how our experiences were with our, our uh, mums and dads mm-hmm. where I felt like I've, I've had the, more of those conversations since therapy I think I've been more like you open the door to these conversations and you make little kind of remarks and then if the if the other person goes along with it then you talk about it and then it's a theme and then you can kind of um, talk about it and explore it and that's been really um, rewarding mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. making those connections with, mm-hmm. with, with friends and colleagues. Cool. Um, but I think in everyday life, I mean, sometimes, I mean, I think when you, when you start therapy then you're like, everyone just wants to talk about therapy all the time and that mm-hmm. can also be a bit too mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. for people or, or it can be a bit you sort of too emotional mm-hmm. like I did an acting course and it was all about showing your emotions or getting in touch with your emotions and I was just thinking about my emotions the whole time and that was it was too much you know it's yeah. like you just want to you want to function you want to be like you know get up make a slice of toast go down the stairs check the post like work on that level not always mm-hmm. thinking like oh my god how am I feeling because it's like this <laughs> I don't know <laughs> you're like no you don't always have to you know feel all the time or you mm-hmm. want to it's a balance you know mm-hmm. um 
think I, I think maybe I was maybe I was too sappy or too too emotional for for a while. Um, we talk about it too much. There's no maybe there's no such thing, but it's it's finding a balance and with people and you not like pushing the topic on other people if they don't want to listen yeah. about it or if they haven't mm. got the capacity. Uh-huh. And also when people talk to me, I, I talk often about capacity because mm-hmm. some people would have really traumatic things going on in their lives mm. and I can just sort of stop. It's okay for me to sort of set a boundary mm-hmm. and say like, L- listen, I'm really sorry that you feel how mm. you feel, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't have the capacity to take, you know, because you, you kind of give someone else your load a bit when you mm-hmm. talk about it. Mm-hmm. And if you just don't have the capacity for it, it's perfectly okay to say like, I don't have mm-hmm. the capacity for this conversation. Can mm-hmm. we talk about something else? Because mm-hmm. you've got to kind of look after yourself as well mm-hmm. as, um, as, as other people. But, yeah. So, uh, do you sometimes have issues of uh, getting up? Mm. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. And uh, when it happens, uh, what do you do? Um, sometimes I uh, stay in bed. Um, sometimes I would uh, get up, maybe uh, have some breakfast and then, and then get back to bed. Um, sometimes I sleep a bit, you know, yeah. I think sometimes just, yeah, um, give myself some time, you know. And uh, do you, do you have times like wake up just feel oh today is shit? <laughs> yeah. yeah, sometimes. Or if you have a, a, a funny dream, or sometimes mm. yeah, then you, you feel a bit like oof. Yeah, this is gonna be a <laughs> gonna be a tough one today. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, it's happened less recently, but um, yeah, definitely it still happens, of course. And sometimes it's like one or two in the afternoon before you, you get up. And so mm. always around this time of year when the light changes or when it gets dark. For so mm-hmm. many hours in the day, then sometimes you get a bit disoriented. I find mm-hmm. around November, I was in a real mad sort of mad's the wrong word. Sorry, the real sort of manic state when mm-hmm. I was moved first moved to Berlin. I was so excited to be here and all the mm-hmm. impressions. I was writing the whole time. Uh-huh. I went to this mad writing sort of uh, sorry mad. I went to this this uh, manic kind of writing phase and wrote loads and loads and loads and loads, and that was great. But I was kept keeping really strange hours and sleeping in the day and then feeling tired and getting up mm-hmm. and. Um, it was intense, but it'd be great in some ways, but um, also yeah, intense and not a state you can constantly be in. You know, mm. um, but it can be it can be a sort of creative thing as well, I guess, when you when you're uh, sleeping in or when you yeah, it's sort of a different different rhythm. Uh, I I have my last question, actually mm. second last. So, okay. what's your favorite uh, comedy special? Favorite comedy special? Oh, I mean, growing up, it was it was Eddie Izzard, probably the Definite Article, or the one before that, or Glorious. Um, they were definitely my favorites. And now, I guess, I mean, I really like Stuart Lee. I really like James Acaster, actually. His his ones on Netflix I really enjoyed. Um, Eddie Pepitone also wonderful. The bit where Eddie Pepitone heckles himself, "You suck, Pepitone. You've always been a loser." And he goes back into the audience <laughs> and he gives himself his own thoughts and, mm-hmm. like, to say almost that the audience can't mm-hmm. heckle him with things worse than his own thoughts about mm-hmm. himself. I really mm-hmm. love that idea. You know, uh-huh. I guess that was a real favorite. Um, but otherwise, it's, it's like bits that I really love. But I guess the whole special, I don't know. There was a Doug Stanhope special where he's like, "Everyone's talking about these problems, but I." I, I solved it. I solved this in 2005 in a special when I did. Nobody listened. And he's just talking mm-hmm. as this sort of bar mm-hmm. drunk, solving the world and things. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's a really great special, whatever one that is. Where he looks a bit like a sailor. He's wearing like a sort of blue jacket. And mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a really good special as well. But 
Yeah. Wow, cool. So last question. Yep. Uh, like um, along the way, like uh, what you learned about yourself and mental health. Um, what is there a big learning or is like a small trick you learned that really really work for you? Mm. I think just accepting yourself how you are, accepting your limitations, accepting the things that you're good at, the things you're not so good at. I'm always leaving my keys in the door and doing stupid things and not being able to concentrate on tasks. Maybe that's an ADHD thing. Maybe it's a thing for a, a completely different episode. Mm. <laughs> but um, accepting when I'm doing stupid things um, and realizing that, like, if I'm not the sort of guy who's doing the DIY at home and fixing things, and maybe I've got other talents and other, other things like being creative or cooking or uh, being thoughtful or there's other things that you accepting accepting the things you can't do well and appreciating and loving yourself for the things that you you do well or that makes mm-hmm. you you or the mm-hmm. i mean with comedy it was a process of kind of getting getting in like realizing that i am this i'm still this nerdy kid mm-hmm. you know this nerdy you know uh character growing up it's like oddball or whatever and realizing that that's me and then celebrating it and, and putting that out on stage and being that, you know, the love of the language, but also the, the being a bit just weird or anxious or all of these things, you know, or a bit, um, yeah, I don't know, a bit downtrodden sometimes or a bit just accepting that that's part of you and showing other people like with, it's the same process as with comedy. It's a mm-hmm. sort of self-discovery thing mm-hmm. and a thing about like loving yourself as well and accepting yourself how you are. Like not not being above criticism and obviously you know checking in yourself and like you know what am I doing and what can be better, um, but just accepting yourself a bit more I think, is the thing. I I I I'm really curious now. Uh, I I forgot what you said, but it made me feel like growing up you were bald, bald. Bald. Yeah, like. A, um. No, like you were a kid and bald. bald? No. Um, no, I okay. mean I'm a bit balding now. Yeah. I've got like, losing a bit of hair, uh, but but no. you were not. No, not I a, no, I had really long hair when I was a kid. Okay. I realised I was going to go like male yeah. pattern baldness. My dad yeah. and both grandparents were bald, <laughs> so I was like, well, it's going to happen eventually. <laughs> so I grew my hair really long actually uh-huh. when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. But I was no, but I was just sort of like, I mean, I guess you call it an incel now or yeah. something. But I was, I was like quite a sort of strange kid I guess uh-huh. for a while or it was a bit sort of had it sort of hang ups or whatever and uh-huh. I think part of like just realizing that it's a bit like we you look at people like um like pop stars like like Talking Heads you know the mm-hmm. guy uh, David Byrne from Talking Heads or, or um Jarvis Cocker from Pulp and they're nerds mm-hmm. they're really mm-hmm. sort of or Tom York from Radio they're all these sort of weird sort of introverted nerdy mm-hmm. cool character but just realizing that there's something positive about that you're not mm-hmm. like loving that person and not mm-hmm. not saying like i'm weird or i'm mm-hmm. this is negative or like mm-hmm. you know the sort of kid that other kids would have bullied maybe mm-hmm. when you're like 13 14 realizing that 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 kid is still you and mm-hmm. needs some love and mm-hmm. realizes that it's okay to be like that and, well, and to be you know and realizing because mm-hmm. that's me on stage is still this sort of this nerdy character or slightly sort of slinky weird Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fine to be weird and it's like like letting your freak flag fly you know like sort of showing people showing other people you're weird I and mean, that's what I love about your comedy is you show other people you're weird mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're I mean you're mm-hmm. like not that you are weird but you're, you're weird the noun weird like mm-hmm. you're the, the weird in you you mm-hmm. know is what you show other people and that's, that's wonderful I think you, you there's so much of you in your mm-hmm. comedy and that's like you can only say that about the best comedians is that mm-hmm. they show the most of themselves you know mm-hmm. I mean 
um, comedy colleague of mine, uh, Caroline Clifford, mm-hmm. um, said sort of, you, you do you on the stage, you, you show the most, the maximum Tim, you know, there's the most amount of you that you show to people. That only and do the bits jokes that only you can do and mm-hmm. say the jokes and the, and the themes and things mm. that only you can tell people yeah. in the way that only you yeah. can you yeah. know and you're like when I see your comedy mm. you're, you're the maximum you and that's yeah. that's wonderful that's like yeah. that's I want more you and you, when you yeah. like that when it works well and and the audience likes it then you want more of that and it's it's yeah. addictive it's more it's you you want more of of you of the comedian on the stage and then getting into that that space where you can you can do that and be that and show that and accept that embrace it and then sort of turn the light around and then turn it on the audience and show like, this is me and mm-hmm. all of my, you know, weirdness, then that's, that's what yeah. comedy is about. Yeah. Really. Find, finding out who you are and then showing it to people. And yeah, and, uh, yeah. it's wow. a, a fun process. Yeah. Well, you're talking about comedy, like you are shining. I yeah, think. you yeah. think? You, yeah. you, you look so happy. Yeah, I'm yeah. engaged. It's my, I mean, I, I love it. Like watching people's good comedy, mm-hmm. watching... You know, watching people rock it. There's so many people on the scene who just absolutely, you know, I've seen them over the years of, from when they started to how they are now. You know, you Neil Nums and Carmen Trame and, mm. and and Paul as well, and especially in his hosting, but generally and you know, with his German comedy and everything. And it's like, it's sort of showing people sort of shine, and then they're becoming mm. like the lights are brighter, and then mm. they're like showing a massive spotlight on mm-hmm. the. They, they're sort of shining out towards the audience mm-hmm. and showing all of themselves and their, their ideas and their creativity. And it's mm-hmm. wonderful that we've got this, this sort of scene here and that people are, people are doing this. Wow, cool. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, do you have anything to plug in? Um, I guess you can follow me on Instagram, Whelan Fairfugbar, W-H-E-L-A-N. If you can search for Tim Whelan, you can spell yeah. Whelan. I think that's, I've lost probably half of the potential followers that I could have had because I've got a weird second name to spell and people can't find me, probably. W-H-E-L-A-N. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, people can find me on Instagram. And, or, yeah, write to me if you, if you listen to this and you, you, if something chimed with you, then um, uh, always interested. Or if anyone wants to talk about comedy or anything, then that's also, also always cool. Yeah. Write to Tim if uh, in your... Uh, in the back of your mind that keeps playing <laughs> radio yeah, radiohead <laughs> albums yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, invite me to your playlist yeah 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 <laughs> so uh cool this is uh, this uh, uh episode of its mental podcast uh lately i just got my uh patron account uh opened so for as little as three euro fifty you can be my falafel sandwich sponsor check <laughs> it out Uh, And uh, if this is the last episode of uh, this year, then I hope you a happy new year and uh, see you next year. Stay alive. Ciao, ciao.